Welcome back to the Love University on the campus of Triad Christian Center with your host and instructor, Pastor Joshua Lockett. Are you really free to love? Join us on our brand new series, Freedom to Love. Starting now, let's tune in. Hallelujah. Father, even today, I pray even now that you're healing, that you are delivering. I pray that you're making a way out of no way. Lord, I pray in our hearts that you are creating in us clean hearts, renewing in us a right spirit, Father. I pray even now that you are invading with your kingdom, that your will is being done on earth like it is in heaven. And Father, I pray the spirit of wisdom and revelation be released today, that the eye of the heart be flooded with light, Father. In the name of your son, Jesus, Father, I pray it is so. And everybody say amen. Come on, say amen. And say, it is so. If you're watching on Cyber World, going to give everybody a cyber hug, cyber high five. If you're in the house, give everybody an air hug, air high five. Hallelujah. And you may be seated. Hallelujah. Well, we've hit 13 years. I don't know if you know, but here at Triad Christian Center, we've been here for 13 years. Come on, give a shout of praise to the Lord that we're still standing after a pandemic, God is still faithful, and he is still awesome, and he's consistent. So give a shout of praise to God for his faithfulness. My father started this ministry in 2008, and we have made it all the way to 2021. Amen. We are still here. Amen. God is so faithful, and he is so good, and uh, he's just been good the whole way. Amen. Glory to God. So try it. I declare there are better days ahead for us. Amen that there are glorious days ahead for us in the presence of God and that God is going to do a mighty work and it is a privilege to be able to serve in this capacity in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. I want to go really quickly uh, to the scriptures on today. And I want to continue talking about free to love, self-talk. Um, we are on a series, if you're joining us for the first time on today, we are on a series called Free to Love, and what we're really focusing on is getting rid of all of the blockages to us loving people well. And I believe if you love strong, then you will endure long. Amen. And when you look at, um, when you look at Jesus, one of his main commandments is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. He tells his disciples, by this shall men know that, you, that you're my disciples by the way that you show love one to another. And so love is very critical. And if you have not been involved with our, our series before, I want to encourage you to do so. Uh, we started off this year with Why Is Love? And I know people that have heard me say this, they're like, Pastor, don't say it again. I'm going to say it again. Amen. And we talked about why love. And then we talked about what is love. And then we came to Game Changer series. And now we've moved into a place where we are focusing in on um, free to love, getting rid of hindrances and blockages. Amen. I want to go and I want to continue talking about this today. And what we're going to do, we've been talking about offense. We've had like a mini series within a big series. And we've been talking about offense. And today we are going to focus in on tackling offense. But we're going to call it self-talk. Say self-talk. I don't know about you, but has anybody here ever talked to themselves? Amen. Thank you for thank you for being honest, Glory. Thank you. Thank you. That it wasn't just kids that said they talked to themselves. And sometimes you don't only just talk to yourselves. You 
you imagine that you're somebody else, and I don't want to go too deep into that world because I don't want to get caught in everybody's self-taught world, an imaginary world. But uh, there was a woman in the Bible, and this is what she said. And uh, go with me to Mark chapter 5, and I want to go there really quickly. Her, she had an issue of blood, and I want to go here really quickly. Look what it says. In Mark chapter 5, verse 25, it says this, A woman in the crowd has suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She has suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. What did she say? If I can just do what? Touch his robe, I will be healed. So she was, in the KJV it says, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. How many know that was self-talk? She talked to herself. And so today, I want to encourage you, I'm going to give you some points about some things we should tell ourselves when it comes to offense and overcoming offense. Um, as we said in earlier um, messages, that offense means to be hurt or to fall away from the faith. So when we talk about defining offense, in essence, it means that we fall away from the faith. This past Tuesday night, I talked about some expectations that we have that are just faulty, which means that they're wrong. They're not, they're not biblical expectations. And I kind of exposed them. So if you didn't go listen to that message, I want to encourage you to do that. Because what we've taught in this, what I've taught in this message is that expectations are what set us up to be offended. When we have the wrong expectations in life. And you will see that most, if you go back and look at most of the times you are hurt or offended, I would venture to say most of those times because you set up the wrong expectation. Okay? Or it was an unmet expectation, either or. It may have been the right expectation. But it wasn't met. It was unfulfilled. And so you, you were hurt and you became upset because maybe your family member didn't uphold their side of the deal with taking care of mama or the other family member didn't take care of their deal with upholding and, and giving money towards a certain project the family was doing or somebody on your job at your workplace did not uphold their side of the deal as far as working and doing what they should on the project in your job and they got to the meeting and acted like it was all your fault. Can I get an Amen. Y'all ever had that to happen? Amen. Nobody in here. Glory to God. And, and, and so the thing is, is that when you look at it, it really can come down to unmet expectations and also unrealistic expectations or faulty expectations. And so if, if we can tackle our expectations, checking our expectations, then we can tackle offense. Now, I said as well that it's not so much a sin to be offended as what you do when you get offended. Amen. It's what you do with the offense. And the Bible says, forgive those. It says, release them. It's like that fly. I gave you the example of the fly flying in. It's going to come in. And it just flies in it. And you got, you, got to, you got to keep swatting it because almost every day someone can offend you. Can I get an amen? But what happens is when they offend us, see, there's nothing wrong with being in pain, but it's a, it's one, it's a, it is something wrong with walking in pain. 
okay? That means that I'm no longer being regulated by faith or the Holy Spirit. I'm being regulated by my pain. And when I'm being regulated or guided by my pain, it can lead me to some error and destruction. Look at Cain. I believe he was in pain because he was rejected by God. And when he was rejected by God, Genesis 4, if you want to refer, when he was, he got so angry that he ended up killing his brother. Why? Because I believe he experienced pain. He allowed that thing to control him. And Jesus said, well, actually, God said that if you subdue it, you'll be its master. That's what he wanted. He wanted him to subdue it. But he eventually came and took over, I believe, Cain. And Cain began to be filled with rage. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, um, somewhere around there, it says, do not let anger control you. The New Living Translation says, do not let anger control you. It says, be angry in one version, but sin not. Well, what's the sin? When I allow my anger to control me. Because feelings are great servants, but they're terrible masters. Can I get an amen? So, God gets offended. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, verse 30, in the Amplified, if you read it, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That can kind of mean to sorrow him. It says, do not, do not offend him. Okay? So, we can offend the Holy Spirit. God is the only one who can be offended, I believe, and stay offended because he's God. And he doesn't need forgiveness from his sins. We do. And he told us that if we don't forgive others, then he won't forgive us. So if you never sin, then stay offended. But everybody in here has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Can I get an amen? And so even with that, let's go really quickly to Psalms 139, verse 16. So this woman talked to herself, and this was self-talk. And she said in herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And I believe there's some self-talk that can take place on today that can position us for healing. Say healing. Amen. So the, the, the first scripture I want to go to is Psalms 139. Amen. When you get offended, this is what you should do. This is what you should say to yourself. Psalms 139, verse 16. I'll go there. Hallelujah. Look what it says. In verse 16, it says, you saw me before. I, this is a powerful scripture. You saw me before I was born. How many know God saw you before you were born? Amen. So that means that every, even, even people that have had miscarriages or their babies have died in their wombs, God has already saw your baby. Can I get amen? He already, Jeremiah said before you were ever even formed, God said before you were ever even formed in your mother's womb, guess what? I knew you. How do you know somebody who hasn't formalized in the flesh? How do you know somebody who hasn't been made flesh yet? Because I believe before we even are flesh, we're spirit. And God starts off, and I don't know what conversations he's having with us, and I don't want to go too deep in that, but I know some people can get off with that doctrinally. But here's the point. Scripturally, we know that God knows people before they were born. And that's why we should be praying for this nation that God will really move in the hearts of women who have and men who have committed abortions, and it's not to condemn you. But I want you to notice, I really honestly believe that people who are believers in Christ Jesus, you will see your babies again, even if you aborted them at an early age. Come on, can I get an amen? That's redemption right there, people of God. That's the mercy of God because God is a faithful and good God, and life doesn't start when flesh starts forming. Life starts before flesh starts forming around that little baby. Can I get an amen? He said, I knew you 
before you in your mother's womb. And right here it says, you saw me before I was born. So you say, well, he saw you before I was born. That means he saw you in the mother's womb. Then he even knew you before you were even formed. So God is a God who, who knew us before we were ever even born and before we were even formed. And it says, every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Can you believe that? And that's why I told, that's why I said the other week, I was quoting the scripture, I said, we go off and we write, you know, have these vision boards, thank God for them, and we have these dreams that we're following, but God has already wrote a script for your life. He has already written a script for your life. So when we show up, our job is to find out, God, what, you, what have you already written in your book? God, what is it that you've already said about us? Not creating our own will, not creating our own agenda. Can I get an amen? So we need to realize that your, your life has already been written out in a book. Now, look at what it says right here. So it says, so if that happens, that means that God has a future for me. God has a purpose for me. So the first blank I want you to write in is tell yourself that you have a future. Come on, tell yourself. I say, I have a future. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, no matter what I've experienced, I have a future. Number two, this is the second thing to tell yourself. Tell yourself who created your future. So don't just say, I have a future. Say, Lord, the God, the God created my future. Look at what it says right here in Psalms 39, verse 16, 139, verse 16. It says, it says that, that before, it says, every day of my life was recorded in whose book? In God's book. It's in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Look at what it says in verse 17. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. How many of you know that God is thinking about you a whole lot? That's amazing that God has billions of people that he's created over the history of time. And he said, you've got a lot of thoughts about me, one person. So if you multiply that times billions of people, how many thoughts does God have circulating in his head at one moment? That's what makes him God. That's what makes him omniscient. That's what makes him, I mean, we, our, our brains would probably explode if we had to think that much. But the Bible says, how precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. And this is important to realize. You know why? Because when we go through the trial of our life, specifically a relational trial, we need to know that God is thinking about us. Because sometimes we may forget. And he doesn't just have one thought. I like how the psalmist said he has thoughts, plural. That means he has multiple thoughts about us. And so we know here that God is thinking about us, that God has written out our, our, our life story in his book. Now, I do believe this. Let me give you something which I believe is more of a prof- maybe a prophetic teaching. I do believe, I believe that God has forks in the roads for our life. What does that mean? I believe that there are multiple ways that our life can end. So that means that God considers all of your left turns, your right turns, and he knows where you're going to end up based on those turns. Now, it's our decision to make the what? The right turn. Can I get an amen? But, but God has multiple forks in the road. He says, if you make this decision, this will end up happening. If you make this decision, that will end up happening. And a lot of times when we read Scripture, we look at it and we say that everything that we see in Scripture was the perfect will of God. It wasn't. I don't believe everything was the perfect will of God. I believe there are, because one of the things you got to realize is that nobody's perfect. Are you with me? So 
you know, a lot of times, even, I, I don't want to go, in other words, God told, uh, for instance, God told, here we go, God told Saul, he said, Saul, if you would have just obeyed me, he said, your kingdom would have lasted forever. That was a fork in the road. Are you with me? So what? It, what? So all of that can be, I believe, in God's book. He has all your twists and turns, and He has all of that in one book. How many know? How many ever seen movies? Or, or I remember this one game that I played. Maybe that's the best example I can give. I played a game and it had multiple endings on it based on what you did. I don't know if there are movies like that, but that's that's the point. God has multiple endings. So if you take this job and don't take the other job, this will end up happening in your life. You can still be prosperous, but you won't be as prosperous. Does, this, does that make sense? Is is you can be you can marry yeah you can marry anybody you want but if you don't marry this person it's going to slow you down 5 years it's not that i won't bless it it's not that y'all don't get condemned i mean god can still bless even a jacked up choice can i get an amen you say why cuz look god didn't didn't jacob who did he 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 married rachel he got the wrong he wanted rachel but he ended up getting leah and God blessed both of them women. <laughs> now, they're they a strong man to have two wives. Amen. But God, they became the descendant. They became the mothers of the, of the 12 tribes of Israel. Can I get an amen? So even in what Jacob might say, and even in Isaac's mistake, he blessed the wrong person. God still blessed him, and he still empowered him. If you look at Samson, Samson, you, you, you see where God actually was using the wrong choice he was making relationally, and God still used that for his glory because the Bible says all things work together for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. And I believe even when we don't love him, God, I suggest, can still have mercy on you and cause everything to work together for the good. Can I get an amen? So we see in Scripture, God didn't want them to have kings. He didn't. If you read Scripture, the Bible says that God did not want them to have kings. He wanted to be their king. But they rejected that way and said, you know what, we want a king like the other people. And God started to anoint Saul. And then Saul came in, jacked stuff up. And then David came in. David was a man after his own heart. That was good. And God said, okay, through, my, through your lineage, I'm going to bring my son Jesus. But God didn't even want kings. So I'm just saying that to say there, there are multiple forks in the row of life. But God is so wise and so powerful. that he, The Bible says he causes things to work together for the good. Which means they weren't going to work together for the good before he got his hand on it. But he will, he will cause it to work together for the good. It's like, that, it's like when you bowling. You know, have you ever gone bowling? And some of y'all bowl, and you, grow, you bowl like grown people should bowl. Y'all know what I mean by that? You don't put those bumpers up. How many of you use bumpers when you bowl? Raise your hand. All right. For those of you who are over 40 years old still using bumpers, God bless you and God keep you. Amen. But you put those bumpers up, and those bumpers are kind of like a cheat. They, 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 it's really cheating because when you, when you roll that ball down the alley, no matter which way it goes, it's going to keep bumping back into the Y'all with me? It's going to keep on bumping down the alley. Why? Because there are blockages. There are barriers that keep it on path. And I believe that's how God is. When he wants you to get to your purpose, even though you might veer off and go into the, the gutter, he'll bounce you back by his grace. And when you go off in this wrong relationship and you're about to get in the gutter, he'll bounce you back by his mercy. And when you go off and make this wrong business deal, he'll bounce you back by his grace. 
Why? Because God causes things to work together for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. Aren't you thankful that God causes things to work together for the good? It's not just happenstance, but it's because God said, no, I love him so much. I'm going to make this thing work out for his glory, for, your, for his glory. Come on now. So we got to understand that number one, tell, tell yourself that you have a future. Number two, tell yourself you who created your future. And then number three, tell yourself who controls your future. Tell yourself who controls. And this is what I, I already told you. Romans 8 verse 28 says, all things work together for the good and that love them. But I'm going to give you another scripture. Daniel chapter 5 verse 23. For you have proudly defied the Lord of heaven and have had these cups from his temple brought before you. You and your nobles and your wives and concubines have been drinking wine from them while praising gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, gods that neither see nor hear nor know anything at all. But you have not honored the God who gives you the breath of life and who does what? And controls your destiny. How many know he's in control? We had that song, God, he's in control. Okay. And then this is the other thing we got to know. Look at what it says, Genesis chapter, or Job 23, verse 14. It says, so he will do to me whatever he has planned. No matter who walked out of your life, no matter who stayed in your life, I believe God can still do what he plans. No matter who stole money from you. No matter who gave money to you, God can still work out his plan. And these are things we got to remind ourselves. Can I tell you this? One of the biggest issues that I believe we have, the one of the biggest inroads to offense is we forget the Lord. We stop trusting in the Lord. If you look at Matthew 24, the Bible says in verse 10 in the Amplified, it says that they stopped trusting the one who they should have, and they stopped obeying him, and then they begin to betray and hate each other. That word, when they stopped trusting, means they became offended. And when they became offended with the Lord, they began to hate and betray one another because their issue was really with the Lord, but then it turned into an issue with people. And so this is what happens whenever the divorce happens, whenever the separation happens, whenever the family breaks up, whenever somebody does you wrong on the job, whenever somebody crosses over in your lane on the road, whatever it may be, you got to realize that ultimately whatever they do to you, they can only do but so much because God is still in control of my destiny, no matter how much they slandered your reputation. Because a lot of times that's why we get offended because we said, man, they're going to mess up my whole career with what they're saying about me. No, they can't. If God is for you, then who can be against you? Come on, tell you now, you got to remember, God is in control of my prosperity, of my promotion, of my increase, of my bank account. God is in control of my health. Can I get an amen? God is in control. We got to keep that in our minds. And I believe when our faith rests and relies on this simple truth that God is in control, it helps us to be able to release people. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. This is about a man who I believe experienced hurt, and he experienced pain. And look at what it says. His name is Joseph. His brothers betrayed him. Amen. They, in a sense, uh, just, just, yeah, basically betrayed him and took him, and they left him um, basically alone. And look at what it says. It says, Genesis 50, verse 20. It says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for what? The good. It said, then he, then he took over. He said, let me just take y'all out of this conversation. He says, he brought me. Y'all didn't bring me. You should have got that. 
See, the thing is, I was talking about this last, what time I got? I was talking about this on Thursday night on the prayer call. I was talking about recognizing when God is moving. And sometimes we don't realize that our persecution is God moving. Enjoying our podcast? Well, we invite you to join us live Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern. Tune in on Facebook or YouTube by searching Triad Christian Center or visit our website, www.triadchristiancenter.org. Now we will resume today's course already in progress. We don't realize that God is moving through our pain. He's moving through our problem because, again, what did I just say? God causes everything, not just the good things, but even the bad things. So sometimes we shouldn't be so sad that people rejected us, people cut us off. We should start rejoicing, amen, because they're pushing us closer to our destiny in God. Look, let me say this to you. Before Jesus was even betrayed by Judas, before Judas ever even started stealing money, before Judas had even started talking to the leaders of that day to plan and connive on how to crucify Jesus, in Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah chapter 53, it had already been prophesied that he was bruised for my transgressions. Devil, you the one late. God already knew it, and he's using you as a pawn. So keep on attacking me, but every time you attack me, you're pushing me further in my purpose. Every time you attack me, you're pushing me further in the anointing. Every time you attack me, you're bringing me to the second man of Egypt. You're bringing me to a place of authority. Why? Because God controls my destiny, devil. Not you. Not the backstabber. Not the liar. Not the cheater. Not the person who slandered my name. God controls my destiny. And God will use that person who talks about you to bring you even into a place of favor. Watch this. If Joseph, can I argue this? If Joseph, if Joseph, say Joseph, if Joseph would have never been brought to prison because of an accusation brought on him by Potiphar's wife, he would have probably never ended up in Pharaoh's house at his right hand. And if he would never got the Pharaoh's right, that means he would not be able to fulfill the prophecy that he received years before where he said, I see you all, and in so many words, bowing down before me. His family would have never had a deliverer if no one would have lied on him. See, can I tell you this? Some people lying on you, cheating you, doing you wrong, is setting you up to be a deliverer for somebody else in the days to come, a deliverer when there's a pandemic, a deliverer when there's a recession. God is setting you up potentially to be in a place where you can bring healing and restoration to your family so that when famine hits their land, they will have a refuge to run to because you said, I've been there, been there, bought the t-shirt. I know all about it. If God can do it for me, he can do it for you. So what if Potiphar's wife would have never lied on him? Would he have ended up in the palace? Would he have ended up in Pharaoh's household? Would he have fulfilled the prophecy over his life? See, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to encourage you today to know that God is still in control. And God will, look, the devil doesn't have to stop being wicked to work for God. God said, I'll take anybody to work for me. God is not biased. Amen. He doesn't care who he uses. That's why it's so important to realize just because you're being used by God doesn't mean you necessarily have a relationship with God. Because God can use anybody. 
even the devil, and we know he's lost. The devil is one of the main, the main pawns, the main factors that really helped us to get to deliverance and salvation. Because the devil entered Judas, who betrayed Jesus, who put Jesus on the cross. Y'all not talking to me. See, God used the devil, and he allowed him to stay the devil. See, some of us want God to use certain situations by making them better. No, your situation doesn't need to get better. Your situation can stay worse because God can still fulfill his purpose through your worst and your bad situation. He doesn't need people to start treating you better. All you need is for him to still fulfill his purpose. He doesn't need people to start valuing you better. All you need for them to do is to still fulfill his purpose. All you need to be praying is that, God, I want your purpose to be done. I want your will to be done. People can lie about me. People can take from me. But God, if your will is done, that's all that matters. Because at the end of the day, Jesus said this, it is finished. He still said, it is finished. Even though all my disciples pretty much left me for the most part, it is finished. I've completed your will and I've completed your purpose. And when you get through with your life and you breathe your last breath, you should be able to say, just like Jesus, it is finished. So where does this put all your accusers? Where does, it, where does this put all the people around you that are lying on you? Where does it put all the people that are talking behind your back? And they're not really talking behind because you hear it. They're loud enough for you to hear it. And it's getting back to you. Tell your neighbors working together for them that love him and are called according to his purpose. See, when I forget God is in control, that's when I stay in my feelings. When I, when I forget what was meant for evil, God can intend for my good, that's when I stay in my feelings, and I go off, and then I'm regretting what I did 10 seconds later. But if I can remember God is ultimately in control, that's why we got to stay in prayer. That's why we got to stay in the Word. we got to look how God has brought people through through Scripture, and we'll see He used pain to get people to their purpose in Scripture. Say amen. People say, well, how does... I just want things around me to change. No, 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 no. It's not always about things around you changing. Sometimes it's about, it's about an internal change. Say amen. And so I've got to stay in place of faith to know that whatever happens with Joshua is ultimately controlled by God Almighty. Whether there are 10 more variants that come out. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Because who's in control of my destiny? Is corona in control? Is the government in control? Is your job in control? Is your bank account in control? Are y'all with me? Listen, at the end of the day, even if you're in a position where you're being asked to do something that you feel is unfair and is wrong, I was saying this to one of the elders earlier this week. I said that's, and I didn't focus on this part, but you know, Jesus was asked to pay taxes he should not have been paying. Go study it out. And even when they did him wrong, he told Peter, I know you probably remember this story, some of you maybe more. He said, Peter, go get the, go get the, go get the coin out of the fish mouth. The first fish you catch, take the coin out of his mouth. That happened when he was paying taxes he shouldn't have been paying. But God moved in spite of a crazy government. So it doesn't matter how crazy this government gets, if you stay submitted to the Holy Spirit and you stay submitted to God, he'll cause water to be in a desert. 
He'll cause manna to fall from heaven. He'll cause the laws of physics to not even match up and work properly. You'll walk on water. Because why? If God is for you, he can bring a miracle out of nowhere. He can cause a coin to be in a fish mouth. When the last time you found a coin in a fish mouth? You don't find that. I'm telling you, say, well, Pastor, it sounds like you're preaching a big faith message. That's the key. Because what does offense do? It tries to strip you away from your faith. The, the, it, the, way you overcome, the way you overcome offense is you got to stay strong in your faith. And when your faith is weakening, that's basically offense. If you look in your life, you say, the time I got offended was mostly when I stopped believing God. Because you didn't believe he was going to restore the marriage anymore. You didn't believe he was going to help your family anymore. You didn't, you didn't believe he was going to take care of you. You thought that the other people were your lifeline. But you forgot that God was your lifeline. Before you even got the job, it was God who orchestrated for you. Matter of fact, you didn't even have the degrees maybe to even get the job. But because God was for you and he was with you, he helped you to get the job. So why are you trying to change your source now that you're in it? You're trying to maintain it by yourself, but you got in it through God. You better stop there and say, the devil is a liar. If he brought me here, he'll keep me here if he wants me to stay here. See, my trust is in the Lord, and I got to go on, but I just want you to know, I think that's a major point we need to get with overcoming offense, is that God is ultimately in control. And when I have faith in God, I can get over offense. Number four, the offense is not always obvious to the offender. I'm going to change, I'm going to transition a little bit. We've been focusing on God, but let's focus on the person real quick. This is something I need to remind myself. Number four, the offense is not, the offense is not always obvious to the offender. That means that one of the things we need to realize is that we're going to have to talk some things out. We've got to prepare ourselves. We've got to tell ourselves, okay, I'm going to have to have this conversation. Because offense is not always obvious to the offender. Look at what it says in Matthew 18, verse 15. I've got to close. I hope this is blessing you today. It's encouraging you. Look what it says in Matthew 18. Look what it says in Matthew 18, verse 15. They know what they're doing. Not always. And that's how the devil, I believe, plays on our mind. He gets us in our feelings. He says, they know what they're doing. They know, what they, they know how much they hurt me. No, they don't. Because if you truth be told, have you ever seen somebody, and they, you said you thought they were per, uh, pointing you out, and they were just trying to call you out, and you thought they only did what they did to you, then you find out they do it to everybody else? Doesn't that make you feel better when you find out they do it to everybody else? Because you're like, this is just, they just, that's just how they are. They just can't talk to nobody. I mean, they, it ain't just me. Glory to God, you know. And you get offended because you think like it, you, you take it personal like it's just me. But when you, when you get to know people, say get to know people, you find out they may have a health challenge. That's why they act like that. When you get to know people, it'd be just like if somebody's falling asleep in the, in, the, in the service and I'm getting offended in the message, preaching about offense, getting offended because somebody keep falling asleep. Well, what I don't know is that some people come to church and they only had an hour of sleep, but because they wanted to make a sacrifice for the Lord, they pressed into the house of God. And I'm over here getting offended because of somebody's act of faith. But if I would just have a conversation with them and say, you know, and not that everybody has to wake up now. I mean, do wake up, but because I'm closing. You made it this far, so hang on. I, I got to have a conversation with the person, but if I go off into assumption and I allow the enemy to fill that gap, he keeps sowing a seed of discord. They don't think you can preach. They don't think you can teach the word. Sometimes the people that God is moving on the most maybe are the people that are the most quiet because God is working on their heart. They, don't, they can't even say anything. Sometimes you say, amen, hallelujah, hallelujah, and you're just doing it because that's what's religious. It's not even real. 
Sometimes. I didn't say all the time. But that's how the enemy comes in and fills in the gap. And that's why sometimes we got to get over fear, which I haven't got to, because fear keeps us separate as well. We don't want to take that chance and have that conversation. But, we're, but if we don't take that chance and have that conversation, what we're going to realize is that the person doesn't know that the way they talk, the way they respond, their, the loudness of their voice, they don't realize that it's offensive to you. They don't realize that they just say things bluntly, sometimes a little bit too blunt. But if you study that person, sometimes those same people are blunt with everybody else, too. It's not that they have an issue with you. That's just how they were raised. Just tell it like it is. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Can I get an amen? And other people say things with sugar on them and soft. Some people are not sugar-coated. They don't sugar-coat anything. They just tell you like it is. Amen. The blessing of that is that when you need somebody to tell you the truth, you know who to go to. Say amen. You don't need sugar-coaters all the time. Sometimes you need to tell people, no, your breath stink. You need to get because if you don't, you're going to go around and really offend people. Can I get an amen? So we need people that we can talk to. So it's not always obvious, but I'll give you a scripture to show you what I mean. The Bible says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens, listens and confesses it, guess what? You have won that person back. And this is Jesus, and I'm closing, but he says this. Go and have the conversation. He says, go and have the conversation, which I mean, which I believe means that there may be times, this is me personally, where the person is not aware. That's why you have to go and point it out. They're not aware of what they're doing wrong to you. So you have to go and point it out. Isn't that what he says? He says, point out the offense. The psalmist, didn't he say, Lord, search me? If there's anything in me that's wicked, he said, point it out. Sometimes we don't even know that we're offending God. So we ask God in prayer, Lord, point out what offends you, your attitude. What else offends you? Your mouth. Whatever offends you. What, what else offends you? Your pride. What's the other thing that offends you? That your rebellion. I'm not rebellious. Yes, you are. It's just like when people say, where have, they said, they said, you stole from me. And the, when the Malachi the prophets told them, they was like, where have I, st- when have I stole against you? He says, in your tithes and your offering. They didn't know. They needed that prophetic word pointing out their offense. They said, where have, I, where have I stolen? I didn't know I was stealing from you, God. I didn't know I was walking in pride. God, I didn't know I was bitter. I didn't know I was offended. Yeah, you do. That's why you can't have a conversation with that person. God will point stuff out to you in prayer, and that's the conversation we have with God. It's the same way with people. Some people don't always know that they are offending you, and you got to go and point it out. Can I ask you, you say, well, I'm just going to pray about it. Can I ask you a question like Dr. Phil may ask or somebody, how is that working for you? Especially if you got to live with the person in your house, how is that working with you? Especially if you got to see them every day, how is that working for you? Jesus says, go have the conversation. Look at what it says. And there is there, there are guidelines for that, but I'm just going to keep going. Number five, the, here goes the other point that you need to tell yourself. The relational effects of offense is not always fixed with prayer. That's my next point. The, the, the relational effects of, of, of offense is not always fixed with prayer. This is something you got to tell yourself, remind yourself. And this goes to the point I just gave you before that is not always obvious. So sometimes I believe you have to point things out. Then, then, then the fifth part is, uh, number five is, you, you got to realize that, that the relationship has been torn up because of this offense. And there's a difference between having a healed heart and having a healed relationship. 
your heart can be healed. It can be restored because you've forgiven people. You've let them go. But that doesn't mean your relationship has been restored. Can I get an amen? So what we're really seeing in Matthew 18, I believe, is the restoration. It can be release and forgiveness, but he, he never tells them to forgive that person. He just says, now you're trying to attack the relational side of this thing. The relational side, you can't, and you'll see later on, I may have this point later on, it's our job to forgive, but at the end of the day, ultimately, it's God and man's job to restore the relationship. And sometimes, if people are not aware of what they've done wrong to you, the relationship will never be restored. So what I'm saying is that, number five says, the relational effects of offense is not always fixed with prayer. That means some people say, well, just pray about it. No, Jesus is saying talk about it in Matthew 18. And not to God. Tell him all about your problems. You can tell God all about your problems, all you want. But Jesus himself, God in flesh said, talk to people about it. It's easy. Lord, I just pray you work on my co-worker's heart, and I pray that they get delivered from their crazy pettiness, and I just pray that they just stop acting so stupid, and I just, I just pray that they'll do more work and stop being so lazy, and I just would, and he's saying, go talk to them. No, 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 and I just pray even now they'll stop acting stupid, and I just pray, go talk to them. Because everything, this is what it tells me, everything cannot be fixed through prayer alone. I believe God sometimes wants us to have action towards people, not just action towards him. Are y'all with me? It's clear as day. He said, go talk to them. And that's important to remember. And I said, healing for the heart is a work of man and God. Healing for the heart is a work of man and God. It does take God to heal hearts as well. So I really correct myself. It does take God to heal your heart. But the thing is, is that there, the relationship is not always automatic after this destruction has taken place. Somebody stole from you, somebody committed adultery, somebody lied on you, somebody stabbed you in the back. That doesn't mean you're going to have a relationship with them going forward. Because the relationship has to be reconciled by you and God working together and by them admitting that they made a mistake, which is my last point. The offense is not always acknowledged which means people are not always confessing it. God convicts people all the time. But just because he convicts people and talks to people about the way they've offended him doesn't mean that they will acknowledge it. And it is pride that keeps us from acknowledging when we made a mistake. When people come and have that, con and you might be on the other end where you've offended somebody and somebody's coming to you calling something out, and they're doing it the right way. The Bible says do it privately. They're not trying to embarrass you, and they're talking to you about it, but you refuse to acknowledge it. I refuse to acknowledge it. That is a form of pride. So it takes humility, but the offense is not always acknowledged. I'll show you what I mean, and I'm closing. But if you are unsuccessful, which means it's not a guarantee that the relationship is going to be restored. He said, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the decisions, church decisions, treat that person as a pagan or a tax or a tax or a corrupt tax collector. So that means the way you treat them can change then. And I won't we won't talk about that too much because we want to go back to prior to that. 
I just want to show you that your attempts may be assessful, unsuccessful, which means it's not a guarantee that the relationship will be restored. But I do know it is important for us to still forgive. And this is my last point. I said you can forgive and still be distant from a person. Are y'all with me? I'm trying to bring balance to this. You can forgive someone in your heart. It's our job to forgive, but at the end of the day, after you've tried your best to go and restore the relationship, you tried to talk it out, you tried to pray about it, it's up to God then to restore that relationship back to its original place. Say amen. And then it, I also say it is not until the relationship is healed that reconciliation takes place. So when we talk about that relationship being reconciled, it's not until that relationship is healed. But the important thing is that no matter what happens with the relationship being healed, that our heart is healed. And that's one thing that I believe we can control with the help of God. We can control a healed heart. And so even today, just stand up on your feet. We're going to just stand up. Lord, I just pray even now. that we're reminding ourselves that we have a future, even though they hurt us. We're reminding ourselves that you created our future. We're reminding ourselves that you control our future. We're telling ourselves, Father, daily that the offender who offended us, they may not be aware of it. Lord, we're telling, we're, we're telling ourselves on a daily basis that the relational effects of this person's sin towards us, it may not be fixed through prayer alone, and that it may take a conversation. And I pray right now for those who are in need of having that conversation. They're in need of having Matthew 8, 18, verse 15 to take place. That's what you're calling them to do. I pray you give them boldness and courage to do it, Father. I pray you give them the right words, the way to say it, Father, in a way that they're speaking the truth in love, not in hate, not in manipulation, but I pray that it's being done in love. And then the last point, Father, number six, where we talk about the offense is not always acknowledged. Father, for those who face hard situations where people have a difficulty acknowledging the truth about themselves and where they've erred, Lord, I pray right now that you will give people the grace to stay in a place of forgiveness and love and mercy, even though they may have to distance themselves. Father, I pray even now that you are teaching us as a body of Christ to be able to conquer this thing called offense, Lord. You want us to walk by faith, not by offense. You want us to walk in your spirit and not by offense. Lord, you want us to walk in peace and not in torment, Lord. And I pray even now that from this day forward, that you're healing the hearts of those that are listening to today to my voice and that you're showing them that if they have some relational strife, Father, they have some tension, Father, that you're giving them how to go about having that conversation with you and with the person that offended them, Father, whether it's a dad, whether it's a mother, whether it's a family member, with a co-worker, whatever it is, Father, I pray you give them the grace to deal with that thing, to tackle it, Father. In the name of Jesus, I do pray. Come on, say amen. Come on, say amen. Come on, say amen. Now pray this prayer with me. If you come in here today and you do not know the Lord, the way that you overcome offense and walk in agape love is you have to have the Holy Spirit. You have to have the Holy Spirit. The way you have the Holy Spirit is through making Jesus your personal ruler and master. So pray this prayer with me. If you need to rededicate to the Lord or dedicate yourself to the Lord for the first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I make you ruler. I make you master. I believe that you died in my place for my sins. You were buried and you rose again. You are alive. And Lord, I pray that you are creating me a clean heart and you're renewing me a right spirit. And that, Lord, from this day forward, I will walk in agape love. Hallelujah. 
And Lord, I will be able to move forward knowing that you have my future in your hands. Father, I pray I will never have more faith in a man than I have in you in regards to my future. I pray that I'll believe from this day forward that all things work together for the good of them that love you and are called. And I know if I'm walking in salvation, that's on my way to walking in your call. And so, Lord, from this day forward, I pray even now that you'll strengthen me, bless me, and grace me, and that I will have fruitful relationships in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, say amen. Say amen. Say amen. So, Father, we just thank you this morning, this afternoon, actually, now. And, Father, I pray that you're blessing us as we get ready to give. Lord, thank you for 13 years, and I pray even that we will continue forward in your mission and your purpose for Triad Christian Center. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for watching. And for those of you that came today, before we go, let me make mention that we do have the food giveaway coming up. Make sure you sign up for that. Listen, there are a couple ways you can give. If you're here, you can give on your way outside. But electronically, you can give by going to triadchristiancenter.org, clicking on online giving. And then you can also go and text in your phone, 336-203-0708. And then lastly, you can give by way of mailing in your offering amount to 4321 Barrel Road, High Point, North Carolina. And uh, those are the ways you can give. Thank you all for your support and for all that you've done. And know that Luke 8 is coming up, too, in October. So go on and start preparing for that. And so I, I declare you're blessed. I declare you're fruitful. I declare your hearts are being healed. I declare you're being restored in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, everybody say amen. Thank you for attending the Love University at Triad Christian Center with your host and professor, Pastor Joshua Lockett. We pray that today's message encouraged you to love God, love yourself, and love others. If you have accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, congratulations. You have made the best decision of your life, and we want to celebrate and connect with you. Text follow Christ to 81411. Are you over social distancing? We have plenty of ways for you to connect and engage with our ministry online. Visit us on Twitter and Instagram at Triad Christian, Facebook Triad Christian Center, or on our website, triadchristiancenter.org for more information. We look forward to connecting with you. If you would like to give to our ministry, you may do so by texting 336-203-0708 with any amount. Or visit our website, triadchristiancenter.org slash online underscore giving. Lastly, you may send it by mail to 4321 Barrow Road, High Point, North Carolina, 27265 and make all checks payable to Triad Christian Center. Until next time, know that we love you. Be blessed and stay safe.